Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And it's the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Really excited to have broadcasting legend, both, yes, both here in New York and nationally, Kid Kelly with us this morning. Thank you. Hey, Kid. Nice to see you, Gary. Absolutely. Uh, VP Music Programming, Sirius XM. Correct. You were just saying before we started, you, you're you on the radio uh, on Sirius XM, but uh, podcasts, you, you don't do a lot of podcasts, but you like the podcast format. I don't do a lot of interviews. Um the podcast I find it interesting because it's kind of like my native habitat, if you will. And I think you get a better sense and a better interview, and it's more intimate and personal. I think um, people are more sincere in this type of an environment, for the most part, at least in my world. Right. I think, uh, you know, um, in general, interviews have become very corporate. They've got layers in there, and people kind of aren't perhaps as honest and or sincere about themselves. Right. Yeah, everyone um, has something. There's a lot of corporate gobbledygook that's spewed in there. Or you have something to promote, so it sort of goes in yeah, that you direction. You were nice enough to invite me here, so I'll just be me and tell you the straight scoop. Perfect. I've, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Oh, nice I, of you. I, Thank I used you. to play Backtracks USA. Get out. On, on Mix. Um, uh, Back then, Mix 98.5 in Boston. Wow, thank so you. I've, I've followed you for a while. Not that either, nice. of, us, either of us are old. We're both we're <laughs> Not both at young. all. But, uh, <laughs> no, I wanted to talk about uh, your background because you've, you've got a great uh, background at uh, Z100 over the years and then uh, going to SiriusXM. So we'll, we'll get into all that. But um, tell everyone what you do at SiriusXM as VP Music Programming. As VP of Music Programming for SiriusXM, I um, run our two big top 40 stations, Hits 1 and Venus. Hits 1 is more mainstream, uh, and Venus is more rhythmic pop. And then I oversee about 18 other channels, uh, which might sound like it's a big task, but it's not because I've got some great folks on every level. Are they all pop channels? Are they related to pop? All pop channels, pop? Yeah, yeah. What are some of the other channels? Well, there's Poptropolis. There's Pulse, there's Blend, there's the Love Channels, there's 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Pop 2K. We got a bunch of them, but they're all pop, and um, every one of them um, has some of the finest folks attached to them, so it makes me proud. One of the things we've talked about and you hear about SiriusXM that's different from terrestrial radio is people subscribe, so you sort of have a different level of trust with the listeners. They're paying you to get the product. 
Does that change your thinking at all when you're programming these channels, or does it always come back to, even if I were on terrestrial radio where people aren't paying, I want to play the best music, I want to play the hits? It's a great question. Um, my mindset has never changed. To me, um, any of the success or fair amount of success I've ever had in my life had to come down to one thing, the listener and or the subscriber, period. And, you know, if you're a subscriber, you're still listening, so the listener. You know, and I've always operated under the mindset that you should never break the unwritten rule with the listener. And the unwritten rule is trust. No pun intended. That's a good word. <laughs> I like that word. Um, and that rule is very basic. If you, The word curation makes me chuckle because we've all been curating our entire career as individuals. Anybody who's potentially succeeded has kind of curated their own career, every part of it. So when it comes to the right songs, I never like to put a song, and I'm very proud of myself, um, that um, most of my career I've never given in to putting a song on the radio for an audience that had political motivation behind it. As the arbiter of the audience that I believe that I know really well, because I study them and I analyze them, and on the weekends I continue to study and analyze them and try to get them, try to know what makes them tick, their nuances, you know, if you know your audience, then you kind of know what they're looking for. And it doesn't mean the same, same thing. You want to, of course, surprise them at times. Right. But, you know, the unwritten law, the unwritten rule, the unspoken law has always been don't do something that the, for the audience that you don't think they'll really be into because then you break that promise. I mean, say political, do you mean if a label is pushing something that you think I would never put a right song on the radio – um, that was motivated by, hey, you're going to do our show. Okay, right. Just wouldn't do it. If, a, a, As an arbiter of the audience, if I didn't feel the song would be liked by the audience or anything on the radio station would be uh, liked at the least and loved, hopefully at the best, you know, on a, on a bad day meet expectations, on a good day exceed expectations, right. I wouldn't do it. And that's every single part of the radio station from the – on-air DJs, to the music, to the stuff between the music, to the contest, everything else. And I, I've, always, I've always held myself to that standard, and it's been, um, most of the times in my career, worked. There were times it didn't, where I was deemed as a problem, perhaps, or not a team player, mm-hmm. or whatever, but my sole motivation was always for the audience, even as a DJ. Where did that come from? That come from a radio listener? That's what you expected from the radio stations you listen to? Likely. I never psychoanalyzed that. <laughs> um, but likely, you know, uh, you, know, you know, when I was inspired to get in radio, I was perhaps like uh, you, you know, um, inspired by other folks on the radio and inspired by not knowing then that they were building community and creating brands and stuff. I wasn't, you know, at my age, I, I, I didn't process that. I just knew that I liked listening to that particular channel, and that particular channel was, quote, one of my best friends. Right. And you grew up in Brooklyn, right? Bensonhurst and Canarsie. So was it, was it Z100, or was Z100 not on the air yet? Z100 wasn't quite on the air yet. Okay. Um, Z100 t- signed on uh, um, about six months into my radio career. Um, I was inspired mostly um, by um, 99X, WXLO. right. right. And a little AM station called 97DJ in Hackensack. Ah. The little engine that could. <laughs> um, 
Sadly, it didn't, but it sounded like it could. Um, and, of course, I listened to the big stations at the time, and there weren't very many choices back then. It's not that long ago either. You know, we're only going back like 25, 28, 30 years. Right. You know, um, which I guess a lot has changed since then. But it wasn't, relatively speaking, from a, from a timeline that long ago. Right. Oh, technology just right, the last right. 10 years alone. Right, right. right. Even five years, right? Yeah. So I was inspired by those type of radio stations, and I felt like not only the radio station DJs were, like, kind of my friends. I felt like I kind of knew them. Um, but I also felt like the radio station got me. They were playing songs for me and talking to me and doing contests that I would like. You know, so um, I was motivated then, and I thought, well, it was probably a... There were probably, you know, some corporate politics involved back then. Probably not as much, especially since I was kind of weaned on FM, and I think FM back then meant find me. Yeah. You know, um, right. whereas opposed to, I think the AM stations were still big back then, and they were the money makers, so people yeah. just threw the FM away. Right. You know, hey, you can have this FM license now. What do we do with it? Right. I don't know. Just give it to those ragtag... <laughs> Give it to those. Give it to the group over there. Those, Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't make any money. Those and progressive the, FM, yes, broadcasters. Those progressive broadcasters yeah. or those ragtag, <laughs> scrappy top forty DJs that looked like they hadn't slept in weeks, <laughs> but on the air knew how to entertain and speak to a speak to a person in an entertaining way. Not right. like today. The not output f- has come way down today. Not a fan of instances. not a fan of today's radio. Spots? I got to tell you, no, and I mean that respectfully okay. because I think there are a lot of fun, smart, good people in that. But I don't know that they're allowed to do what I think they can or should. Or Some of them still do. There are still some fine stations out there. But those are the people that don't succumb to the cram down. Is it uh, shorter listening attention span or more commercials? What's, what's the difference now? What, what are you hearing that you don't like? I'm hearing what I consider to be appliances that oscillate songs. Period. You know, when digital media comes around and, you know, um, 15-year-olds don't know the big, powerful radio stations in your city and, most importantly, don't care, there's a massive problem going on. And if they gravitate to these other areas that just oscillate songs, and then you, as somebody who has the power to either go with that or go completely the opposite way and become more engaging and more endearing and more entertaining and more whatever it is right. as a companion. That's the way to go. So you're saying in an era where uh, kids, uh, younger audiences are growing up uh, just uh, playing their own music on streaming services, maybe with no DJs at all, mm-hmm. you're saying let's combat that with bringing back big personalities. Absolutely. Somewhere along the lines, and I don't understand this, you know, um, somewhere along the lines, in my opinion, um, Air talent has become non-essential <laughs> to, to the radio station yeah. in most instances, right. not in all. Well, there's been a lot of cuts, and part of that is financially driven. That's right. right. Yeah, you know, um, consolidation didn't help, deregulation didn't help, but that's a whole other conversation, right. probably. You know, um, you also had with that consolidation. A lot of overnight jobs, a lot of night jobs where uh, DJs would start and hone their skills. Those have been eliminated, so that's got to be part of it, too. That was a mistake. But you, you, we, that's already been determined that it was a mistake, uh, but yet nobody's really stepped up to fix it, which is, a, you know, which is interesting. But Sirius XM is very personality-driven and very successful. By design. 
How did uh, we can go through your career? But when you joined SiriusXM, this is uh, how, how long ago was this, kid? Thirteen and a half years ago. So this is uh, two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere yeah, around there. Right there. It, this was still when Sirius and XM were separate companies. This is when, in my opinion, Sirius uh, was pronounced either Sirius or Sirius <laughs> because nobody knew it really existed. Nobody really cared. Nobody right. n- cared enough to actually learn how to pronounce the name of the right. <laughs> So it was – you're going into this uh, job at that point not really knowing if this company is going to last in six months or if it's, if it's going to become anything. Correct. Um, big risk, big reward. Um, actually <laughs> turned the job down the first time um, it was – the first time um, it was kindly offered to ah. me. Um, radio has, in my opinion, you know – been on the wrong trajectory for quite a while maybe close to 20 years i guess we could home in around 15 um, which again goes back to deregulation about 20 and years consolidation, consolidation and right. hey you're the channel that does this and you're the channel that does that and you're the channel that does this and we're all going to be one giant radio station which you know uh, is understandable but you also then lose your identity um you lose the competitive spirit you lose the people who want to create the artists an artist is an artist. An artist will paint and do their craft regardless. If it's not going to be with you, it's going to be with somebody else. Right. And a true artist doesn't really care um, if it's on the biggest platform or no platform. They just have this desire, this intrinsic drive to do what they do. Sorry. Um, <laughs> to do what they do. And uh, probably closer to 20 years ago, that artistry has been forced out for whatever reasons, whether it be economic or, hey, we, that takes too much to manage you, or, hey, our program manager now doesn't know how to manage air talent because they never were air talent. Or, or uh, someone is overseeing a bunch of stations and can't and there's put absolutely in the no time, time absolutely. To, to, to pick the hits. It's the no same. one real thing. And again, it's not a slam towards radio. I love radio. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. If there was no radio, I don't know what I would do. You know, um, which has been my blessing and my curse. It really, truly is. You know, um, worked out so far. I guess. Thank you. You know, I, I'm. I. You know, I can't complain. I've had an incredible uh, life and a, a blessed life. It didn't start out that way. It was a. Com- you know, people look in and they say, "Hey, you know, um, I either like that DJ or don't like that DJ." It's a subjective thing. You know, right. as a night jock, when you were referring to, and thank you for that, by the way, people either loved what I did or hated what I did. Which I thought was good. At least Love you're me, making, hate me, but no. Yeah, me. at least you're making an impression. And back then in the recall number. game, before electronic monitoring came by, it was all based on recall. So it was, in my mind, love me, hate me, or know me. You know, um, hopefully love me and know me because that was, you know, important to, you know, success because back then that's, again, how it was rated. But, you know, the radio for me, like I say, blessing and curse, it's pretty much the only thing I ever wanted to do. I suppose um, there was a, a flash in my life where I wanted to be a wrestler. <laughs> I, I think everybody wanted to potentially be a wrestler at one point because it was so flamboyant. In the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And maybe uh, for a split second, uh, hey, I want to learn to play guitar because that would be kind of cool. I could be a rock star. But, you know, I think those are the, um, you know, and for a split moment, maybe I wanted to be a cop as well. And I was called to be a police officer. Um, when I told my parents I wanted to be a DJ, I was about six. Ah. And they're like, great, follow your dreams. And then, like, you're 13, what do you want to do? I want to be a DJ. Great, follow your dreams. And then you're 15, what do you want to do? I want to be a DJ. 
Yeah, listen, uh, that's a great thought. But, you know, in the real world, you kind of got to have a real job. And, by the way, they were right to say that. Yeah. You know, they were looking out. Um, um, And then I'm 17 and I want to be a DJ. And they're like, what? You're crazy. You're bohemian. You're nuts. Get out. You know, so... um, my radio career pretty much started, you know, that way. I was uh, you know, uh, not too far out of high school working for minimum wage for a radio station that I was lucky enough to uh, get a start at in Willimantic, Connecticut. My first radio job paid me minimum wage. Um, I took a bus there, the Bonanza bus, um, from Brooklyn. took me about seven hours to get there as a part-timer. Say, that's, that's eastern Connecticut. Yes. Yeah. Um, lost money, would do my overnight quote shows which weren't really shows I was pretty much the only I was competent enough to hit the most important button there was and at that point it wasn't the microphone it was the button for the commercials <laughs> you know um, and I was willing to do it and um, my two overnight shifts because they were shifts um, certainly not a show um, I did the overnight show I slept at the in the production studio yeah. I hung out at the radio station and then did the then another overnight show and then um got a bus got on a bus back to Brooklyn where my parents thought I was a complete and utter moron bohemian crazy person didn't understand it I, what do you want to do you want to do what right. that's crazy you're throwing your life away I don't understand it I don't get it I eventually get full time at this radio station ah. That paid one hundred and sixty dollars a week, one hundred and thirty after taxes, and bounced their check every every other <laughs> every other pay period. So I was essentially living on one hundred and thirty dollars a month in an illegal apartment that had no windows. Ah. Um, that I slept in my car for two weeks to save up enough money so I can have enough of a down payment for that illegal apartment. <laughs> um, this sounds like a Totally typical radio story, Absolutely. by the way. As crazy as this sounds, like, oh, right, yep, yeah, that's how people start in radio. It's how people start in radio. So, uh, you know, coming from this type of start and then going, eventually getting hired, eventually getting the full-time slot there for $130 a month, um, I head to the radio station one afternoon, about noon. I was on at 2. I would get there. and Again, pre-internet, you did your show prep. If you wanted to create a show and get the heck out of Willimantic, you had to be, you know, you had to, you know. Brought my own little boombox radio with my own little cassettes oh. so I can, quote, air check my show so I can perhaps get another right. uh, radio job. And one day I'm walking. I park my $200 car that I bought that would break down every other day. <laughs> um, and I park it in the parking lot, and I'm walking towards the radio station doors, the entrance to the building that the radio station was in. And I see two gentlemen arguing with each other. And as I get closer and closer, I recognize that they're arguing about the radio station. Okay. So one person was from the state of Connecticut, and they had put this big, bright orange sign on the door that said, um, do not enter, quarantine. And then the other person that they were arguing, that the other person that was there arguing was from the bank who was there to repossess the equipment. <laughs> Because the radio station was actually defaulting on their payments for the equipment ah. that was running that all-important then button for the commercials. <laughs> Neither of these are the two people you want to see. When you're Not two people I want to see. The as station. I get closer, I see the chain, I see the orange sign, I see them arguing, and I realize that my 
afternoon drive, if you want to call it that, radio career is over. Right. And as I start to walk away, I see the sign, and it says, do not enter quarantine flea infestation. Ah. And as I'm walking away back to my $200 car, I continue to scratch my ankles, and I go, oh, <laughs> that's why I'm always so itchy. <laughs> At least you got your answer. Got my answer. <laughs> And it started with that, and then it went to 32 other radio stations. Uh, the most notable ones were in Richmond, Virginia, and then Buffalo, New York. Okay. Um, Buffalo, New York still exists, KSE KISS. Um, and then that got me to perhaps the one that um, is perhaps as a DJ, the one that uh, people most recognize by, and that was the Z100 one. Z100! This is, what, 1988? 88. Yeah. It took me just under five years to go from my car flea infestation to (laughs) uh, being the number one night person in in America based on that radio station and the the biggest break I've ever had in my life, which, you know, I got a very awkward call for the the job because I never applied for it. Oh, okay. I didn't think I would ever get it. I mean, who, who, first of all, you know, um, you don't know about these type of jobs, number right. one. Number two, I never thought that I would actually get a full-time job then, which was arguably one of two of the finest pop stations um, at that time. Small market these days, if you ask me. I mean, you know, our Sirius <laughs> XM channels just dwarf them all. Mr. National and then outer Very space, you, thank uh, you. Sirius um, XM. Um, but, you know, um, back then, you know, it's a Saturday night. I'm up in Buffalo, and I get a call. Um, and I don't have my um, answering machine on. For, for those of you listening, before cell phones, you had this very clunky-looking device with a little cassette in it that would record messages that you would rewind and play back. So, you know, it's a Saturday night. It's about 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. I'm getting ready to do a appearance because I was the APD MD night jock up there, and I made extra money, um, a lot of extra money, actually, driving to Canada because Buffalo stations were you know, pretty listened to up in Canada back okay, then. It's right, right across the, right. right across the creek. And the phone is ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. And I'm like, who is calling me on a Saturday night at nine o'clock that incessantly keeps ringing the phone? Cause I forgot to turn the machine on. And I pick up the phone. It's like, Hey man, how you doing? This is Michael Dasgian. Listen, I really like your stuff. Do you think you're good enough to work here? I'm like, who is this? Um, it's like, wait a minute. Wait, hang on a second. You worked it. Wait, wait. I, 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 I heard that you worked here <laughs> as a part timer. And I said, Yeah, I did. And he said, You work for me? I said, Yes, I did. Uh, I sent in a, <laughs> I sent in a tape. Again, back then, before MP3s, you sent cassettes, right? Um, to program directors for jobs. When I had been in Willimantic and some of the other small, tiny towns I had been in. I would look at the trade publications to, to see what um, was available. Right. And um, I saw things in Manchester, Vermont, and Hartford, Connecticut overnights, and I was like, wow, I hope to get to Hartford overnights one of these days. That would be my dream. Right. You know, um, maybe Manchester, Vermont. Cool. You know, um, 
they actually have listeners. Maybe I'll get really paid. No fleas. Yes. Maybe. No fleas. Maybe no fleas. Or if there are fleas, maybe they'll have like, you know, spray-on stuff that'll kill them. <laughs> or high-class fleas. Yes, please. High-class fleas. <laughs> so I sent a tape to Manchester. I sent a tape to Overnights in Hartford. I have an extra cassette, save money, buy three packs, three for 99 cents. Yeah, right. You know, um, sent one to then Z100 um, for a critique Mr. Leonard was one of the bits that they had there. They had a lime green pinto was one of the bits. I sent a giant lime green envelope with a cassette with a self-addressed stamped envelope in there that said, you know, um, dear Mr. Radio Professional, could you please um, critique this cassette? I aspire to work at your radio station one day. Thank you. I get a call the next day. Come on in. I go in. I'm assuming he's, I'm going to get an in-person critique. Right. Um, Shadow Stevens, not the Hollywood Square guy, Shadow Steel these days, now actually running his own vineyard. He's a, he's a boutique wine person. Oh, okay, right. Um, says, come on in. I'm thinking I'm getting an in-house critique. He listens to my 60-second cassette, looks at me and goes... You look like a pretty decent humanoid. <laughs> Here you go. And he throws a packet at me, which I still have in dot matrix print that says how to be a Z100 DJ. <laughs> and he goes, you're on this Sunday at midnight. Dot, dot, dot. Don't F it up. Right. And I'm like, what? Now, I'm literally like a – this was – Yeah. I worked at 32, 32 different radio stations before I got hired again full-time at – Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you this particular radio station right at the time i was at my third what I would refer to as toilet bowl radio station. <laughs> L- lovingly. Lovingly. Yeah. Uh, with affection. Um, and Shadow goes, oh, hang on. I, I suppose I ought to introduce you to Scott. He walks me in and goes, hiring this guy. He's on at midnight. Scott just like, you know, looks up from his phone call and yeah, yeah, whatever. And turns it in. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, what? Did I get hot? Who? Of course, um, I wasn't ready for it. I wanted to critique. Right. Um, and I completely blew it. 
and was god awful. Once you started the job, I I I did overnights twice. I was on call for a couple of months, but I got to do two full overnight shows. Somebody asked me once, they sent me an email and said, hey, I came across this. Do you mind if I put it up on the internet? I'm like, yeah, whatever. Thanks. It's nice. So they're up there. To me, they were gone awful. Nothing like, you know, um, what I was lucky enough to develop into four and a half years later. Right. Back to the initial call in Buffalo. Hey. I'm like, you work for me? I was like, yes, I did. Why didn't you work here? Why, 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 why did you, why, why would you still here? I go, I wasn't very good. That's a good answer. That's the truth. <laughs> you know, um, you think you're good enough now? I don't know. It's up to you. You think you're good enough now? I don't know. It's up to you. Listen to me. You think you're good enough to work here now? Yes, sir. I think I do. I think I am. Why'd you work at so many radio stations? Blah, blah, blah. And my response was honest. Um, to get back to yours, sir. Right. That's a damn good answer. Yeah. But send me a tick. Click. So I did. Uh, and that's my long, crazy story of going from sleeping in my car. I probably bored most of uh, your your listeners. We don't have to have Scott Shannon on now. You've, you've done the voice, so we don't even need to have hey, him. Man. He's been on now. He's Super Shan. Will always be Super Shan to me. Um, um, and, uh, and, 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 and I will go on record as saying he was my favorite program director. Yeah? Yes. Because he was about the listeners and the radio station and about the art with the science, no doubt about it. There's art first, science follows the art. Right. It either backs it up or, or shows that it ain't working. Right. And you make a swift or gutsy decision and or swift or gutsy decisions. Eh, gutsy, you know what? I still feel that it's going to work. I still feel that this DJ or this song or this contest is going to work. Eh, give it another day. Give it another week. A gutsy decision or a swift decision, you know? Nah. Probably should never do that again. Let's get it off. You know, so... Um, a purist, um, uh, uh, you know, as far as um, the art and the audience is concerned, in my opinion. And that goes back to what you were saying before about that bond with listeners. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess Scott was, was a big part of that then for you. Looking back, yeah. absolutely, but I, I, there's no doubt about it from a professional perspective. Right. But even as a, even as a a, a, a wannabe and or a, a, somebody who was inspired by one of his best friends, you know, I had two best friends growing up: my best friend and my radio station. Right. right. You know, um, not a lot you can do. You know, when you're six or seven, you're not traveling the world, <laughs> you're not meeting people, you're going. You know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty strict life, right. you know, if you're brought up properly, perhaps. Right. So, you know, um, that was it. So, you know, I, 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 the sense of that coming out of the speakers, I felt that, but then I actually saw it right. at a relatively young age, six months out of high school, you know, um, which, <laughs> you know, I look back, you know, um, at my career now, and I say to myself, how, like, just, who was looking out for me? You know, as a kid, I didn't really speak much. I couldn't even pronounce words properly. You know, I didn't really start to talk until I was three or four. I remember my mom, you know, um, who adopted me, um, you know, um, taught me, my, my, my dad, my stepdad, you know, taught me how to pronounce words properly. Uh-huh. I couldn't say the word bench. I would call it vench. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing, right. you know, um, how... 
you know, uh, I wanted to be a DJ, didn't know how to be a DJ. Yeah. Couldn't figure it out. Knew what I wanted, but couldn't figure it out. So right. therefore, I was... That's not uncommon, though. I mean, not, not just like the Howard Stern movie where people who are quiet want to be on the radio, but maybe that is some sort of a thread because the, the whole interesting paradox of radio is you're being social because you're talking to millions of listeners, maybe depending on, on your audience, but you're also in a room talking to yourself. Yeah, which is always very interesting, um, you know, which is probably why some of the best uh, on-air personalities are kind of introverted mm. because they're in that room talking to themselves. Right. You know, um, with me, um, it probably stems back to the fact that um, I was a quiet fella, a lonely kid, um, and I probably wanted to, um, you know, um, I never wanted the spotlight which is going to sound odd, I was never in it for the ego. I was actually in it for the art of it because I was inspired by um, not only the f friendship of the original social media. Right, right. Um, yeah. um, but by the art of how things were presented in such a um, efficient and succinct way and yet, in a very artistic way, they were artists. They were sonic artists. You know, so in studying that, to me, I said, wow, I really want to do that. I really want to get into that art. And I want to be the best at it. Because in my mind, you know, if you're not the best at it, why do it? Right. You know, be the best at what you are or don't. Whatever it is. If you're, you know, um, a bookbinder or a sanitation person, be the best at it. You know, if you're a basketball player or a DJ or a program director, work hard and be the best at it. Don't just do it. You know, be in it. Yeah, people might think radio, you just you show up, you do a four-hour shift, no. but it's it's all the prep. And, and for programming, it's, it's as you were saying, the research, the, the trying to get in the heads of, of listeners. It's, it's, it's sure, it's, uh, it's radio. It's maybe not the most physically demanding job, but a lot, a lot of mental work. Oh, it's mentally demanding. You know, and as a program director now, I mean, I was always into the science as well, which made me an interesting character because I think that um, a lot of folks are either inspired by the art and or inspired by the science, but not necessarily both. Right. You know, um, and as an artist, uh, you know, um, when I was, when I considered myself to be a DJ, um, which I still enjoy doing today, but I don't know that I consider myself to be a DJ. Um, you know, as a DJ, when I was in that mindset, I lived it. I stayed completely focused on it. Um, you know, I was on the air four nights, four hours a week, but the other 140 hours, and I didn't really sleep a lot, so I could pretty much say <laughs> that I didn't sleep for years, you know, as a, as a, as a New York City nighttime DJ because um, there were two competitors at that point that were playing the same songs. You had to have an edge. I didn't sleep. At I all? Stayed, not really. Mm-mm. You know, um, a lot of coffee, nothing illegal. A lot of uh, what was then uh, Jolt Cola. Yeah. Before Red Bull. Right. Uh, that was it. You know, um, I didn't sleep. I can t I can tell you I didn't go to I, I didn't sleep for years, literally years. Um, I, I can tell you for sure that on Fridays, for two years, I didn't sleep from a Friday night, um, at five o'clock in the afternoon till Sunday night at five o'clock in the afternoon. I stayed up the entire time. The whole weekend. Would, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe would nod off a bit for 10 or 15 minutes, but um, there were massive appearances. It was a big, giant uh, brand in the, in the market at the time. 
um, and there were additional. You, you would do a show. You would do two appearances. You would you, you had to have a social life. Right. You know, I wanted a social life, so I didn't sleep, and I was always on the hunt um, for knowing what to talk about on the air that next day. Um, so there was the art, there was the science of wanting to be there, wanting to know what was going on um, from an artistic standpoint. Um, and I wanted to be the best at it, so I worked at it. I think it was that drive and that determination. You know, my father died, my blood father died about five years ago, and I think that's when you start to psychoanalyze yourself and say, how did I get to who I am and right. why did I get here and how did I get to... Even little things, I broke them down. Like, you know, people would say, hey, how do you do what you do over the songs? I was like, what do you mean? It just comes naturally to me. Right. I, I don't, you, mean, you mean talking in sync and with the song and pausing a split second and, and then having the song transition and or vocal pop up or talk around it? I couldn't figure it out. It just came natural to me. But then I thought it was natural, but it really, not, really wasn't. I saw a video once with me tapping my ear, my headphone. Ah. My left headphone. I just, you know, people are on the air. Right. And they have these little tweaks or blips right. or whatever you want to call them right. where they have their own little, you know, if you never, if you haven't seen a radio person on the air, you know, they all have their unique little dances, if you right. will. It's like a baseball player getting into the batter's box. All these weird things you have yeah, to, they you got have their, to do. I don't want to say ticks, but I guess they're right. kind of ticks. Right. You know, so um, one of my ticks was to tap my ear. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I thought about it. I was like, how did I, why am I, and I realized that when I was five years old, <laughs> um, I wanted to go to karate school, and I wanted a mini bike, right, five or six. I was sent to tap dancing school with my sister <laughs> for two years until I was old enough to say, I am not doing this anymore. <laughs> You know, and, um, you know, tap dancing school. Really? Come on. And boy, the, boy, I'm really letting it out here. I would never let this out <laughs> that, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a written interview. You, 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 you you're making about, me feel really comfortable, Gary. Thank you. You, you. you talk about wrestling. You talk about radio. We're, we're getting into tap dancing now. And I realized, I'm going, if I'm on a tangent, just say, hey, crazy tangent, shut it down. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Um, I realized that it was the tap dancing that enabled me years later to be able to dance, no pun intended, right. around and I would use my finger as the tap, 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 step, step, tap, ball change, tap. And without that tapping, I, you know, um, So that got you to the rhythm of, of when, of to, the when song. to come in after Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. So that's your advice. Go tap dancing That might be a good thing if you want to, if you want to do that. Uh, if you, you know, uh, don't know that it's relevant these days. Uh, I find it entertaining. The other thing I have to ask you about, because uh, because I've played your show and I've listened now, and it's, it's what? It's uh, more than 20 years now. You've been doing the Backtracks shows. I have. It's coming up on 25 years. Ah. And, um not an easy thing either. You know, um, it's not broadcast. Anything worth having in broadcasting really requires a lot of background, really requires a lot of focus and dedication and great people around you that all have the vision, that all share your vision. You know, um, and I've been very, like I said, I, I, 
I stop and I look back now and I go, how did, how, what, huh? And I realize um, that um, absolute pure Forrest Gump type determination, if you will. I won't be a shrimp fisherman. And people are like, yeah, sure you do. Go ahead, buddy. You know, uh, I want to be a DJ. That's good. Go ahead. I want to have a, I want to be at the number one station one of these days. Yeah, good luck with that. You know, I want to have a syndicated show. Yeah, 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 sure you do. You know, I I, want to, you know, um, work for a company that distributes, you know, um, um, engaging, endearing, comedic, uh, informative, bigger and larger than life contesting and the best music for the most engaged audiences across North America. Sure you do. Yeah, good luck with that. Backtracks, um, I'm at the point with the show where, you know, um, this could be a scoop. You know, I've done it so long that I think that, um, I don't know much about sports. I know that um, sports folks retire with pride and dignity intact. If they're Um, lucky. If they're lucky, but most of them do that. Right. Um, And most of the folks in sports, you see them... The, the, the iconic folks, the Ali's, the Jordans, etc. Right. You know, you see them doing their thing for the hour or three a week, but behind the scenes, you don't see the right the determination, the grit, the basketball court at the house, the they, boxing ring at the house. They say players retire not because of the games, but because of the preparation, you know, the the three hours of taping their ankles and absolutely and beforehand. Right. When I when I say as a DJ in New York, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. You know what I did during the day? I went to every single New York City Metro High School. Twice, there were 3,000 high schools in the New York City metropolitan area. I would get up in the morning and go to two of those high schools every day right. before Facebook existed, get names, write them down, shake hands, do shout-outs on the air, yeah. salute the school, that whole thing. I worked behind the scenes that way. As a programmer, I was at that radio station 120 hours a week. Um, st- uh, when we launched Sirius XM, or then, then Sirius, I was at the radio station 120, 130 hours a week. Uh, decades into my career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just about two decades in, into my career. I slept under my desk <laughs> for the big blackout where most, remember when most of uh, North America went out from, uh, I think, as far west as, as Detroit? Yeah. Um, to maybe as far south as uh, Washington, D.C.? I stayed. I wasn't going home. Right. If I went home, I couldn't get back. Yeah. I'm staying. Right. You know, so um, I, with, with backtracks, which you were nice enough to bring up, um, when I was lucky enough, and again, I worked hard, very hard, I wanted to be the best at my craft, and I wanted to have a competitive edge. I realized that when I, get, when, I, when I have these opportunities, I have to work harder than ever to make something of it, number one. But number two, I'm lucky to have gotten the opportunity. Just because you are perhaps qualified or just because you work for it doesn't mean you're going to get it. Right. So, you know, I look at things and say, you know what, how lucky was I to have gotten these opportunities. Well, you started at the right time, too. 92 or so when it started, that was like the perfect time to be there the first one on the 80s nostalgia. different syndication companies back then about that, right? And we went to every single one of them, one at a time. They all said no. My initial thought about this was um, I'm lucky enough to get 
to where I am? What's the next logical step? And then I was, even though I was offered jobs as a program director, I actually respectfully declined the PD position at, at, in Buffalo to take the DJ position in New York City because right. I thought to myself, I can go back to that. How many people have the shot right. to do that station at that time, yeah, right. which was arguably the high point? You had a, a you, I was lucky enough to work at in radio in, in Buffalo and uh, obviously New York at a time where it was where it meant a lot more than it respectfully stated does today. Um, it was entertainment. It was just as valuable then as movies and TV. And you were a headliner. You know, some of the artists at that time that were big, uh, Bon Jovi. You were just as important as Bon Jovi. Right. You were just as important as Madonna and Prince. You were just as important. Um, so it was an interesting time back then because um, I was lucky enough to be there at that point. Um, when I was there in that DJ mode, I said, well, what's next? Because I, I, I'm not the one to kind of look back, and I don't do interviews for this reason. I don't particularly like talking about myself. Most of this has not been about, hey, look at my goals, hey, my success. I don't really – I'm lucky. Right. Well, you weren't, you're real humble, but you, you've put in the work, and it's been in your blood. So it's, it's part of that, too, is, is maybe you just don't realize all. I mean, you're saying it. I worked 120 hours here. But when you love something, you do put in those and hours. It maybe it doesn't, doesn't feel it like work. It wasn't work to me. Exactly. You're right. It wasn't work. It was like, this is what I want to do with my life and my career. It wasn't a job. It was a career. Still, to this day, a career, which is probably why I still have that passion. I still have that fire in me belly. You know, it's my career, and I want to make the difference for the listeners because in my mind as an advocate of entertainment radio entertainment because I've been there I can I see what radio can be I still want it to be that way I don't want it to be morse code or or dot pin matrix printers I don't want it to be that and you know I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough that the people that uh, that I work with today at Sirius XM feel the same way and they empower me and I thank them all for that I'm lucky it's you know, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, as, as you uh, put in your initial invite, uh, the uh, incredible or historic, I'm not sure what you said, it all works. career right. that I've had. But um, it's the people at the place, and it's the people who let me do my thing right. that are the valuable people. Backtracks, all I ever wanted to do was take it to the next level back then, 25-ish years ago. And that was, well, I'm lucky enough to be here at this station and be number one in this city, which makes me virtually number one across America. What's the next logical step? And that was to do a syndicated show. Right. So the concept was, okay, well, um, what can I do? What am I potentially noted for? Um, and what is a concept? You can't – you can trademark a name, but you can't trademark a concept. So what's the concept? And the concept was, as we were merging into – the music change in the uh, early 90s, which was becoming a bit less mainstream, in my right. opinion, but was still, quote, you know, um, chart music. The next logical step for me was to do a national. So I came up with the, developed the concept with, you know, with some good people, with some great people involved, you know, um, you know, bounced some stuff off of them and said, okay, um, here's the concept, syndicator one through 20. You can have it. You just pay me 500 bucks a week. They all said no. And I went to them all, and representation went to them all two or three times. 
they all said, no, it's never last. It's got no legs. Who are you just because you're a DJ in New York? Who cares about, you know, who cares about you in Dubuque, Iowa? You know, blah, 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 blah. And it was all no, 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 not going to work. Never happened. Good luck with that. And Forrest Gump style, uh, something to this. Let me syndicate myself. Ah. How do I do that? Don't know. <laughs> Guess I got to get trademarked. You know, um, and like I said, I'm very, very fortunate to have great people around me and my then great girlfriend, you know, um, you know, not my spouse, um, you know, um, involved in, you know, um, this project and this vision and just with determination, I think it can be done. I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm not even saying it's that smart. You know, before we made one penny, we had, I lost $50,000. Starting Backtracks USA. Lost money for five years. Wow. Might retire it this year with pride and dignity intact with a couple of hundred of affiliates still. So that's, that's the, the scoop you were saying. You might, you yes, might so, retire. Yeah. And I mean that with, with respect to the, 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 the folks who syndicate it. Uh, um, great folks as well. Um, but, I, you know, maybe it's that time. You know, maybe it's the time to say, you know what, what a great run. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. But um, uh, it's been in the back of my head, been yeah. in the back of my mind um, for, for quite a while. Is part of it that you can get 80s music now in so many different places, including 80s on 8, on Sirius Probably a whole different tangent yeah. here, Gary. Um, um, uh, syndication is not what it used to be, at least weekend syndication. You know, um, there's certainly value to that brand. Um, but I don't know that I can implement that value right now while I'm dedicated to Sirius XM. So part of it is just uh, the, the hours that go into it. Like yes. you were saying, an athlete yeah. who's doing the practice, the, the time that goes into Because you're doing two versions. You're doing 80s and 90s mm-hmm. now too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, we launched 90s at a time when uh, people said 90s music wouldn't work. Hey, 80s music not going to work. Nobody cares about yeah. that. And, you know, a decade later, um, 90s music doesn't work. Nobody cares about that. And, you know, uh, again, um, great people, vision, um, um, and uh, being first doesn't hurt as well. I chuckled at, um, I will not mention um, uh, the name of this place that launched their own 80s thing um, 24 years later as the first. I just chuckle. I go, okay, that's good. Um, that's good. I'm not sure about that, but all right, if you want to put it out there that way, go ahead. Um, um, you know, um, but in looking back, um, I, I think the, the, the focus, the determination, the listening to your intrinsic drive 90% of the time, um, and perhaps keeping an open ear, you know, never want to be so headstrong that you're not open to hearing what people have to say. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know that I would listen to the experts, whoever they happen to be for whatever, 100% of the time. Because, you know, I, I, in looking back, uh, you know, the experts are caught up in their machine. This is how it's, we've done it. This is what's working. This is what we're comfortable with. Let's continue to do it. And that's when somebody comes in and disrupts and cleans your clock. Right. At one point, Backtracks was the, um, on record, I think, with the wall street journal and then vh1 as the breakthrough show of the millennium of the of the of the 2000s i mean it, 
And it was all done because none of the traditional systems that syndication folks were doing for years where it wouldn't work and it has no legs and it's too short. I remember, right. you know, I'm arguing with a syndication company that said, you want to do a two-hour show? I said, yeah, I want to do a two-hour show. That's unheard of. Yeah, I know. I want to do a two-hour show because I want to leave the folks listening wanting more. Right. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the entertainment value. I'm doing it for, which is, by the way, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. You know what that means? Yeah, like corporate America is like, who, what? What did you just say? Huh? You know, everybody's like, and they all, they all want to leave the boardroom. Right. Not doing it for the money. I got to go. See ya. You know, so, you know, um, every step of that, every step for, uh, of just about every facet of my fortunate career has been a lot of a lot of mindful grit and perhaps a mindless Forrest Gump type determination won't be that shrimp fisherman go and do it your Forrest Gump sounds a lot like Scott Shannon <laughs> no no way. no I think I'm more like that <laughs> I'm more, more like that um, I really want to thank you for coming on sharing your stories and you know for people who subscribe to SiriusXM I, I think this was fun to uh, find out who the person is behind all the pop channels. And I, I think of nothing else. You've uh, left uh, everyone, you left me, with the impression that the person who's uh, running these stations, uh, Hits One, uh, Venus, all the pop stations, really uh, has this uh, long history of, of caring about the listener. And it, it, it really is that human element. It's not, it's not uh, just a program spreadsheets. If you're listening, it really is about you want every listener really to feel connected to, to what you're programming. One thousand percent. Without the listener, I have no career. Period. I mean, yeah, we could put a product out there, but uh, if they are not emotionally invested in it, um, we have no broadcast. And there are certainly, you know, on the back end, it's a combination. The combination of art, in my mind, first, again backed by the science either it's working or it's not stick with it or remove it but make a decision uh, it's, it's certainly a combination of both but I think if you look back to not just radio any brand right? any brand is that vision is that determination any big brand today whether it be Seinfeld right it was a vision and it didn't really get traction at first, but the vision and the determination and the, and the, the forced gump grip, grit was there. Um, uh, any radio station, uh, any TV sh- show, any movie, anything that's worth anything has that determination and that backstory and that um, that that intense focus that relentless focus that pushes it through listeners radio we're, we're lucky to have you kit we're lucky to have uh, such no, a, such, I such a that, Gary, but I, I, again I, I've had an incredible incredible life considering how I started and came into this world and, and to where I am now um, it, it sounds cliche so I, I, I try to, to try not to say it this because it's uh, it's 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 a saying that's out there a lot now. But I, I I absolutely worked and worked hard and scratched and clawed and 
Um, I will also go on record as saying I never did this at anybody else's expense. I never threw anybody under the bus. I never, I, 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 I maintained um, character and integrity throughout my entire career. Um, I dealt the car. I dealt with the the good cards and the not so good cards. Um, and I am blessed. That's what I was. It's cliche now because everybody says they're blessed, but I truly have been blessed. If there's such a thing as a a guardian angel, I think I've had one. And again, there is work involved, a lot of work, and a lot of mental debilitation, and a lot of sadness. You know, um, the first time I got yanked off of New York radio, I was, I stayed in bed yeah. for a week. Yeah. The second time I got yanked out of New York City radio, I stayed in bed for two weeks. <laughs> you know, um, the third time it got easier. The fourth time it was like, oh, this again? The fifth time it was like, okay, all right, whatever. I'm not coming back. Remember, if you invite me back, I'm not coming. And of course they did. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, it's, uh, again, it sounds cliche, but I, I, I'm blessed. And thank you so much for the opportunity to, to hang out. I hope I didn't bore you or your listeners. <laughs> now, this is great advice for not anyone just interested in radio, but really just a successful career, just caring about what you do and putting in the work. That's, that's pretty good advice for anyone. Thank you so much for coming My, on. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you, Gary. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.